I am Greg Schuess, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, getting you ready for the 2020 NFL Draft in Las Vegas in April. Week two of the college football season now in the books. The big names for the 2020 draft, guys like Chase Young, definitely stepping up, balling out. Ohio State beating Cincinnati 42 to nothing. Chase Young, a big reason why with one and a half sacks. We saw that. That was a name that you knew coming into this season. You take a look at, at a team like Clemson taking on Texas A&M. Only win 24 to 10. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people were talking about Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, I thought, missed a lot of throws in that game. And really, Clemson, you know, with their defense, Clemson's defense is, is not what it was a season ago. And there were a lot of throws that he left out there on the field. Conversely, you look at Clemson, you know, and, and Travis Etienne, just 16 carries for 53 yards. Uh, tr- uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's the consensus number one overall pick already for the 2021 draft, uh, just a, you know, 24 or 35 for 266 yards, a touchdown and an interception. He already has three interceptions on the year, but he's not eligible for this draft. You know, we talked about, as I said, you know, Travis Etienne not really getting a whole lot of time, but uh, did have four receptions coming out of the backfield. Um, you know, that's another known commodity. But, you know, obviously you had guys that surprised Joe Burrow yet again. You know, it wasn't a fluke a week ago. 31 to 39, 471 yards, four touchdowns and an interception in a 45-38 win over Texas. But Sam Ellinger puts his name on the map. I'll tell you what, he did have a lot of throws that he left out there on the field. He was 31 of 47, 401 yards, but had four touchdown passes there for Texas. Really never gave up, showed that grit. Uh, but again, there were some throws that he that he left out there. But, uh, you know, I think he impressed LSU. You know, they even indicated that he was a lot better than they thought. He, that, uh, that they thought. And if he can continue to develop as a passer, he'll be one to watch for this draft should he decide to come out. Now, Jacob Eason on the flip side. Washington goes down to Cal in their own stadium, Husky Stadium, 20-19. to 19, And Jacob Eason not having the best day, 18-30, to 30, 160 two yards, and a touchdown. You know, I, I thought Eason, you know, really struggled at times with, with accuracy, uh, held on to the ball too long at time. You know, he was staring down receivers. Not his best effort by any means. You know, and then USC, it was the Keaton Slovis era. And, of course, Keaton Slovis, another guy who's not going to be draft eligible until 2021. But Keaton Slovis steps in. As the quarterback for SC, now that JT Daniels is out for the year with torn ACL and meniscus, and what does Keaton Slovis do? 28-33, 377 yards, three touchdowns to lead the Trojans to a 45-20 victory over Stanford, who was also without KJ Costello. Costello should be back in Stanford's game against UCF this weekend. But uh, again, it was all Keaton Slovis. Uh, so that USC team, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the receivers here in a little while. Tyler Vaughn's, uh, you know, Michael Pittman, and then obviously Amon, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who uh, it will be eligible for next year's draft. Those were the guys who really showed up well in that game. So we take a look at really what was the theme from a week ago. And really, it was a lot of overtime games. 
you know that that was really one of the biggest things that that kind of stood out more than anything else. Colorado down 17 to nothing against Nebraska, comes back to win 34-31 in overtime. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you, Stephen Montez leading that team back, and uh, you know, a, a star is, is really being born on the defensive side of the football for the the Buffaloes and Davion Taylor. You know, he, he's kind of this hybrid nickel linebacker, 6'2", 225 pounds, runs a 10-5-40. He's a guy to really watch. I think he's going to climb up draft boards because of that athleticism, his ability to play both the run and the pass. Nate Landman, 14 tackles to lead CU in that game as well. I thought Nate Landman really leading that defense, showed that he can drop into coverage a little bit. Definitely a guy who plays sideline to sideline and the instincts. He reminds you a lot of Luke Keekley with the way that he plays the run. And then if you take a look at uh, them up front, the, the Buffaloes, Mustafa Johnson, four tackles, three sacks, and a forced fumble. Had a strip sack. Um, you know, really showed a lot of speed, uh, some good hand movement, um, a, a lot of arm overs, using the hands to, to slap the, the offensive lineman's hands away. You know, Mustafa Johnson, 6'2", 290 pounds. Is he, could he play a five technique at the next level? Is he a, a defensive tackle? Where is he really going to play? You know, I think that's the one concern that you would have, but you can't argue with the quickness. And that's really where Aaron Donald wins. Could Mustafa Johnson see a, a, a similar rise if it continues to put pressure on the quarterback? I think there's a, a good chance of that happening. Michigan surviving against Army 24-21 in, in, in double overtime. And, uh, you know, I, I watched this game and, you know, I, I thought sure enough, Army was going to finally get that, that win. They had a chance in September of last year against OU and uh, ultimately lost in overtime, decided to throw the ball through an interception. And uh, what do they do against Michigan? They decided to throw the football uh, in uh, deep in Michigan territory in, uh, in, in regulation, and they throw a pick, uh, Lavert Hill picking off the pass. And then in overtime, Kelvin Hopkins gets sacked and uh, – that fumble lost was ultimately what, what cost them the game. But in that game, Shea Patterson really struggled. You know, and that's one of the things I think he's had the the start that he really wants to forget in terms of his uh, his draft prospects. You know, 19 to 29, 207 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, you know, showed that he could, you know, move around in the pocket a little bit, but I thought, you know, made some poor decisions, held on to the football a little bit longer than he should have. Um, you know, Eli, or I'm sorry, uh, Elijah Riley there for, for army really had a big game, um, you know, for the, for the Knights, six foot, 205 pounds corner safety. Could he play safety at the next level? It's a good chance that that could happen. Uh, 13 tackles on the game for, for Riley, two sacks, a forced fumble, fumble recovery as well. And, uh, the kid was everywhere. You know, he was blitzing off the edge, uh, got a strip sack there. Um, showed, showed his ability in, in coverage as well, off coverage, hips to turn and run, get in phase. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for him is he panics. He gets the hands up on on the receiver, doesn't really need to do that, needs to trust himself, trust the position that he's in. And I think because of that, he may end, end up converting to the, the safety position if he, uh, you know, com- um you know, I think he's a draftable prospect. You know, granted he is he is an army. He does have that commitment, but uh, he's definitely a guy who I think can play at the next level. Now, again, with Shea Patterson, um, you know, a lot of missed throws, a lot of misfires. 
um, throwing outside the numbers, just wide of, of receivers, overthrowing guys, um, you know, down the field. Really, you know, the arm strength was questionable. Um, you know, Shea Patterson, I'm just watching that draft stock. I had him in my top 10 among my among the quarterbacks. And, you know, when guys like Joe Burrow, uh, Sam Ellinger really stepping up and playing well, Jordan Love, another guy uh, there for, for Utah State, these guys are playing and elevating their game, you know, when you have a performance like Shea Patterson has uh, over the last couple of games, you know he's really going to have to have a big, uh, big week three, big week four for teams to to start to forget about how he started his season out because the season's only going to get tougher uh, for Shea Patterson. So the pressure's really on for him to to really show up. Um, you know, I thought Ben Bredesen once again showcased the fact that he is the top guard in this draft. Uh, 6'5", 325-pound uh, uh, senior, uh, the, the left guard, pulling around, sealing off the linebacker easily. Does a great job driving his man down the field on run plays. Um, you know, I think he does a great job sitting down and anchoring in pass protection as well. So you saw that drive down the field on one play, very next play, showing uh, you know good footwork and leverage and pass protection. He's a guy who has a chance to be a top 30, top 40 pick. Um, you know, Kalik Hudson, um, you know, blitzing off the edge, doing a good job beating the, the running back block, getting into the backfield and, and getting after the quarterback. But he also lined up offsides in overtime. How do you have these mental errors and the mental breakdowns? Um, you know, that's something that needs to be cleaned up for him. I thought Nico Collins and Tarek Black, uh, you know, they didn't have Donovan Peoples-Jones. And, uh, you know, the two of them combined for five receptions for, for just 56 yards uh, on the day. I'm expecting to see them really step up. Um, you know, going forward, Shea Patterson is going to have to have uh, a good uh, next couple of weeks. And I think both Tarek Black and Nico Collins, both juniors, both bigger receivers, you know, this is already a loaded draft class at the wide receiver position. These guys are going to have to separate themselves and really show, you know, that they can step up, you know, step their game up, especially when they get into Big Ten play. Um, you know, but right now, you know, I've got them on the outside looking in in terms of, of my top 10. And, uh, you know, right now, are they really even second-day picks? I don't you know, you can make an argument that uh, they haven't lived up to that billing. So, yet another overtime game. And on all these games, by the way, that I'm talking about, I've watched each of these games. So I'm now uh, up to 48 games watched in just the two weeks. Um, you know, I guess that also counts the, the, the couple of games there on week zero. Um, so I'm up to 73 of the 130 FBS programs. So making really good progress through, through week two. Um, you know, and if you did the math, 73 out of the 130 is 56%. Making, like I said, really good progress going through the season. My goal is to get to 130 out of 130 FBS programs. I want to watch every single FBS program play at least one game from beginning to end. Um, so again, off to a good start, and uh, hopefully we can keep that momentum going throughout the rest of the season. So Minnesota taking on Fresno State, really a back-and-forth game, winning a double overtime, 38-35 winners, the Golden Gophers beating the Bulldogs. Uh, you know, Antoine Winfield with a pick, did a really good job reading Jorge Reina, uh, jumping in to, to make the pick, uh, you know, picking off the pass. 
um, for the Gophers, ultimately sealing the win. Um, you know, Rashad Bateman, look, you know, Tyler Johnson has been the guy there for the Gophers, you know, uh, last season. Uh, really setting records for the program at the receiver position. But uh, the sophomore, Rashad Bateman, 6'2", 210 pounds, showing excellent separation on his route running ability, uh, also a vertical threat. Uh, you know, Tyler Johnson, you know, he had had the case of the drops a week ago, dropping some easy passes, um, really rebounded, you know, showed that, you know, four receptions, 71 yards, showed off the, uh, the ability to be a go-to receiver for Tanner uh, Tanner Morgan. Uh, you know, had a stutter at the top of his route, able to cut inside um, on, on a slant route, uh, ran across the field and got down the sideline for a 34-yard gain. That was really the biggest highlight for him. Um, you know, and then Rashad Bateman, seven receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Bateman's vertical ability is going to allow, um, I, I believe, you know, is going to clear the field and, and open things up for Tyler Johnson. Teams are going to have to respect Bateman's speed, which is going to allow Tyler Johnson to be a little bit more of that possession-type receiver uh, this season for the Gophers. Carter Coughlin, the 6'4", 245-pound defensive end, um, you know, he's going to be an edge possibly a linebacker at the next level, um, a guy who can get after the quarterback, battling some tightness during the game. So he didn't start... Um, that nod actually went to uh, Tayon Devers, but uh, but Coughlin did get a sack in the game. This is someone who has a tremendous burst. Um, I thought he bends pretty well as um, you know showed off, showed that off in the game. Able to dip the inside shoulder to turn the corner, um, works off the block, chases down the quarterback from the backside. That's how he got his sack. Really a high motor guy who just very high intensity keeps working, keeps playing hard. Um, you know I think Coughlin and Antoine Williams Jr. Uh, I'm sorry, Antoine Winfield Jr., the 5'10", 205-pound redshirt sophomore safety, um, showing an ability to play on the back end, like I said, reading the quarterback size, reading the defense, able to jump in and pick off a pass. But he also showed his ability to to cover as a you know potentially a nickel corner, uh, taking on Zane Pope on a post, in phase with the receiver, basically right on that receiver's hip, ultimately forced an overthrow. Reyna tried to make the perfect throw, and uh, Antoine Winfield really not having any of it. And then the final guy in that game, uh, how about Michael Walker out of Fresno State, a 6'3", 230-pound defensive end. Look, really undersized playing with his hand in the dirt, but he was a 4'3 end and uh, a 34 outside linebacker, showing an ability to drop into coverage and uh, also get after the quarterback. I think he's going to be a valuable commodity, and and as they go into Mountain West play, I think you're going to see Michael Walker continue to rise up draft boards. Nine tackles and a quarterback hurry. Um... Michael Walker, watch out for number three for the Bulldogs going forward. Absolutely. So, like I said, I got to got to watch a few games. Um, you know, there was a total of I believe seventeen games that I got to get my eye on. One of those was Wisconsin against Central Michigan. Wisconsin was forty five had forty five to nothing lead at the half over the Chippewas. Uh, Jim McElwain really has a long way to go. Um, you know, before he can get Central Michigan uh, to a respectable level. And look, Wisconsin, uh, Jonathan Taylor, three first-half touchdowns, uh, ended up with 19 carries, 124 yards, and those three scores, also had a receiving touchdown. Uh, you know, look, Jonathan Taylor, to me, is continuing to show why he really should be the number one wide, uh, number one uh, running back in this year's draft class. This is, I think he's making a push already for for that Heisman. He's shooting for that. Um, you know, this is a kid who 
uh, Doak Walker finalist as a freshman, and now the Doak Walker Award winner in in uh, in 2019, and you know after the 2018 season, and uh, more yards in his first two years than, than any other running back. Um, you know the only other two running backs to get over 3,500 yards. You know Ron Dane and Herschel Walker. So he's in tremendous company there. You know, but you watch him run and the patience with which he runs is just exceptional. You know the vision to to find the holes. First he lets the blockers you know really get on their blocks. Then the vision to find the holes. And uh, once he does that, his ability to put his foot in the ground, not waste any movement, and then that burst to just explode through the hole. Look, this is a 10, 10, 4, 10, 500 meter guy. So he has exceptional speed, but that cutback ability, that suddenness um, you know, with his, his movements is really what is, is tremendous. He sets up those blocks very well with his running style. And... Uh, the, the hesitation, he'll run with hesitation, he'll run behind those blockers and then explode through the hole. Um, you know, but really the biggest thing for me, and I, I couldn't put him as my number one running back entering this draft because I hadn't seen him catch the football out of the backfield with regularity. And that's what they're doing. Wisconsin, he's already catching more passes you know, than, than he did almost all of last year. Caught a pass out of the backfield in the flat, uh, turned up the field, able to tightrope down the sideline, uh, on a 17-yard touchdown, um, you know, showing off some pretty decent hands, you know, an ability to to look the ball into his hands, catch with his hands away from his body, not let it get in and in, into his body where a defender can make a play on it or potentially have it bounce off the shoulder pads, catching it with his hands, not trying to get up the field first, securing the football, then getting up the field. Uh, you know, to me, I, I think Jonathan Taylor is the premier running back in this year's draft class. Look, you know, the, the left tackle, Cole Van Lannon, is continuing to rise up draft boards as well. 6'5", 303-pound junior. I look at him and, and you know, a, a season ago you had David Edwards, you had Bo Benshaw uh, and Michael Dieter. And, uh, you know, those were all guys who were, were big and, and nasty road grader type of guys. And Cole Van Lannon actually showed off some pretty good lateral quickness on the edge, I thought. Um, you know, good hand placement, getting the hands underneath the pad level, driving the defensive end back off the line as well. Plays with really good leverage, um, able to take the defensive end up the field, um, even when he was beaten off the edge. You know, and so I think that's one of the things that you really want to see is how can they recover? Can they recover first off and his ability to get his hand really underneath the armpit and kind of take the guy and just drive him up the field away from the pocket you know, that's what Jack Cohn really needed to get things going. Uh, Zach Bond, the, the linebacker, 6'3", 235 pounds, speed around the edge to get to the quarterback, showing exceptional speed. Look, that you know, just another linebacker in a long line of linebackers there at Wisconsin. Um, you know, just plays with his hair on fire coming off the edge. It just seems like, you know, he's just exploding out of a cannon and uh, looking to put pressure on the quarterback. And then how about Quintez Cephas? You know, an exceptional story. You know, a guy who uh, was accused of sexual assault, was uh, expelled from, from the school, was a, a, arrested, and ultimately was exonerated. You know, was found not guilty of all charges. The school actually reinstated him as did the football program, and uh, he's really, uh, you know, showed out. You know, one of the things that they talked about on the broadcast was just the fact that, you know, this kid does everything the right way, you know, model citizen, and, uh, you know, he's he's really getting a chance, you know, a second chance now with the program to, to show that, look, you know, this is 
me. This is this is who I am. You know that he is a a good kid, and uh, you know he's responding out on the football field as well. Six receptions, 132 yards, two touchdowns, and his ability to just separate. He was running away from corners on on those two touchdowns. Um, you know, just a vertical threat. He's six one, two hundred and seven pounds, only a junior. But look, if Quintez Cephas continues to to show that he can he can get vertical, that he can create separation with his speed, uh, he's gonna make a play in this loaded wide receiver class. You know, when you talk about the receivers, obviously Jerry Judy is is number one. You know, first and foremost, you know that that's that's where he's going to fall. But after that, you've got C.D. Lamb, you've got Lavisca Chenault, who we'll talk about here in just a moment. Um, you've got you know Tylen Wallace, who had a huge game for for Oklahoma State against the the Oregon State Beavers in Week One. Um, you know, you've got Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager, the the speedsters, the non-big receiver types. Uh, Colin Johnson, Tyler Johnson. Uh, you know, so you've got a lot of these guys, and I think Quintez Cephas is a guy who could potentially sneak into that top ten. He, you know, when you're talking about the those speedy receivers, there, I mentioned them right around the the five and six range in the top ten. Quintez Cephas could be that next guy, be a second day pick, and be a guy who could really help an NFL franchise should he decide to come out. And then finally, obviously, Tyler Biotis is the the premier center in this draft class, six three, three hundred seven pounds. The junior started every game for the Badgers, wins with his hand fighting uh, there in, in the middle and uh, at the pivot. Quick puller, getting around the edge. That's one of the things that you absolutely see. He could be a lead blocker for Jonathan Taylor, much like Eric McCoy was for Travion Williams with the Aggies a season ago. And, uh, you know, Wisconsin making quick work uh, in each of their first two games. But, uh, again, Central Michigan, they were uh, definitely outclassed. Like I said, 61 nothing. It was 45 nothing at the half. Jonathan Taylor really didn't have to do a whole lot. But uh, you know, three three touchdowns on the ground, one through the air. He definitely dominated. Now moving from a guy who dominated to a guy who really I thought redeemed himself, and that's Kelly Bryan out of Missouri. Uh, you know, 38-7 winners over West Virginia. Man, Neil Brown has his hands full there at West Virginia. I thought you know Missouri, uh, who had lost to middle of the road. Um, Mountain West team in Wyoming this year. Uh, Kelly Bryant finished the day 17 to 25, um, you know, for 180 yards and, and three touchdowns. Uh, 16 carries on the ground as well for uh, for 64 yards. You know, don't just look at that stat line though. That's not not uh, not going to be the only thing. Um, you know, I, I thought that you know he showed good touch. Uh, to Al Albert Oweboonam, putting the ball, just dropping it in right over his shoulder on a 26-yard uh, touchdown on a go route. Um, you know, does a really good job in the pocket, avoiding the rush with his feet. Rolls to his right, able to square his shoulders to his target, hitting a receiver over the middle. Um, you know, hit Albert O on a 16-yard touchdown. He came free on a post over the middle, hit him as he was clearing the, the defensive back. The biggest thing is is that you saw time and time again with Kelly Bryant that still gets him into trouble as he tries to do much with this with his legs. He's he's out there moving in the pocket way too much, holds on to the ball way too long, takes sacks, um, you know, really tries to keep the play alive way too often as well, moving moving around. That could be costly, especially if he tries to get rid of the football, throw the throw the football down the field, um, you know, late. 
that can get into, get himself into trouble. But, you know, I, I thought that this was a much better performance than against Wyoming. So, that, you know, I think the, the future is, is promising for Kelly Bryan. If, he, if Wyoming was the worst of it in week one, if he could continue uh, to progress, then uh, good things will be there for, for Kelly Bryan. Um, you know, if we stay there with Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, with Missouri, just for a second, um, Albert Oe Boonham, um, 6'5", 255 pound redshirt junior is my number one tight end, two receptions, 42 yards. Both of those receptions went for touchdown, um, got vertical against the, uh, against the defensive back, had two steps on him uh, on that, uh, that go route, catch over, over his shoulder, tracked the ball very well, 26-yard touchdown, and then on his 18-yard touchdown, goes up the seam, um, head fake to the outside on the linebacker, then cut back to the inside on that post for the 16-yard score. Um, and, and so Albert Ole Boonham, absolutely the, the best you know route runner, I think, of all the tight ends. Um, you know, we'll talk about Colby Parkinson here in a minute. Um, after the you know watching that USC Stanford game, he uh, may have an argument. You know, I, I thought that was a an exceptional performance. Um, you know, other guys that that started to, to break out a little bit. I think you, you know Yasir Durant is an underrated offensive lineman, six seven, three hundred thirty pounds, uh, one of the leaders up front for the Tiger defense or Tiger offensive line. Decent lateral quickness. I think he was able to transition. Um, you know, from sliding from his left to his right on the secondary moves. You know, I thought that was something that that really stood out for me. You see a lot of guys who are able to, you know, slide with the the defensive end there on the outside, but then being able to transition and and mirror that defensive end with those those uh, secondary moves back to the inside. That's where a lot of offensive linemen can get into trouble. And, and you know, at six seven, having a you know really a higher center of gravity, I thought. Yasir Durant showed off some pretty good athleticism, some pretty good footwork as well. Uh, Colton McKivitz for West Virginia, 6'7", 307, senior. Kept an eye on him. You know, I thought that he does a good job sliding to pick up the, the speed rusher, driving him up the field and away from the quarterback. Really absorbed the bull rush well with good leverage. Bends well. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, even when he gets driven back, able to reset those feet and re-anchor and then really get underneath that pad level, stand up the defensive end at times. Uh, Colton McKivitz is the guy. He's played on both sides of the line. He's playing at left tackle now for the uh, the Mountaineers, a guy to watch for sure. Uh, on the defensive side of the football for Mizzou, uh, Cale Garrett, you know, just really plays, you know, with a, you know, a nose for the football, plays well in the box, reads the run quickly, pretty good blitz up the A-gap, uh, ran through a, a Kennedy McCoy block, gets to the quarterback for a sack. Really, no hesitation, no false steps, uh, playing forward. I really want you. Know, I, I think right now I haven't seen anything out of him that says that he can play in coverage. Is he a two-down linebacker or a three-down linebacker? That really makes all the difference in whether or not you're going to get drafted or if you're going to end up being an undrafted free agent. He's going to have to prove that he can drop into coverage and make plays. If he if he wants to be a, a day three pick, and that's really the biggest question right now, I I just don't have an answer for it yet. So Mizzou getting a win. So we transition from the Big Twelve and the SEC with West Virginia and Mizzou uh, to the Pac twelve. And I promised I'd, I'd talk about uh, Colby Parkinson who. Had seven receptions for 89 yards in that contest. Look, Davis Mills, he was the number one quarterback in the 2017 
recruiting class. You know who was number two? Hunter Johnson went to went to Northwestern from Clemson. Number three, a guy by the name of Tua Tungovailoa out of Alabama, who's right now my number one quarterback. I realize that the website, by the way, hasn't been updated, but I'm going to make sure that I get it updated real quickly. And Tua will be sitting at the top of my quarterback rankings. Now, Colby Parkinson, 6'7", 250-pound junior, but showing an ability to really separate with his route running. Good routes, you know, the slant over the middle. I thought he was able to to separate sure-handed, uh, you know, just really looks the ball in. Long arms, able to, you know, huge catch radius as well. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, really when, when Mills put the ball up, able to go up and high point the football, the body control to get a foot down on the sideline. Um, so, you know, you can see some of the athleticism. Um, you know, former basketball player, uh, like I said, an exceptional route runner, um, does a, a much better job of sinking his hips and being more sudden in and out of his breaks. Um, ran a corner route, got separation um, on, on the linebacker. Um, really was the go-to target for um, for Davis Mills, especially on third downs. Uh, lined up in the slot quite a bit. You know, really the biggest thing is is being six seven and two hundred fifty pounds there at the tight end position. You know, can he be a blocker? Can he be consistent? That's one of the things that Stanford uh, tight ends are known for. And really, you know, with the the, the likes of of uh, Zach Ertz and, and Levi Toilolo. I'm sorry, Levine Toilolo and um, you know, now Dalton Schultz. You know, Stanford just continues to produce linebackers, or I'm sorry, tight ends. You know, Caden Smith is another one, but Colby Parkinson has a chance to be one of the better tight ends to come out of Stanford. Austin Hooper, yet another Stanford uh, tight end. I just keep thinking of more as as I talk. But uh, Colby Parkinson, I think, can be a second round tight end and uh, be a weapon in the passing game early on in his career. Now. If we look at the opposite side of the football, uh, Paulson Adebo, 6'1", 190-pound redshirt sophomore, the best corner in this draft. Look, he's patient, um, you know, doesn't really commit off the line, allows the wide receiver to go ahead and 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 get their release, and that's when he goes at you know goes ahead and reacts. He's not going to sit there and get himself out of position. Um, you know, chased. Uh, chased down uh, Stephen Carr, the running back for the for USC, downhill in a hurry, able to drop him in space for only a three yard gain. You know you want to see your corners come up and run support. Not afraid to tackle at all. In fact, Adebo led the team with eight tackles on the day. Also had two pass breakups to lead the team as well. Uh, you know a lot of times he doesn't look at the quarterback. You know he really reads the route. You know sees that it's a you know on one play saw that it was a stop route by Tyler Vaughn's. And was able to disrupt the catch with his hands, getting his hands in there. Um, you know, uh, one of the things where he got himself in trouble, trying to jump the stop route, and uh, you know the, the timing there with the quarterback, able to get it to Vaughn's, and uh, ultimately missed on that, and wound up with a 20-yard gain as a result. But you know, he reads the routes, he he recognizes what's going on. The former receiver. Um, is the real deal. You know, I think he closes quickly on the ball, does a really good job getting over the top of a route and uh, really kind of dictating the flow of, of, the, of the route from there. Um, you know, Slovis rolled out on another play and uh, Adebo was trailing uh, Josh Follow, the tight end. Um, looked like the tight end had him beat, but he showed his just exceptional closing speed, able to elevate and break up the pass. Um, again, the ball skills, exceptional and uh, you know his ability to make plays in the open field in the run game, um, I, I think Paulson and Ebo could do it all. 
Um, you know, I mentioned the receivers. Michael Pittman, no receptions in the first half. Um, you know, this was the guy who was really the, the top-rated receiver coming into the, the, the 2019 season for the Trojans. Ended up with six receptions for 82 yards. All of a sudden, it was just that, that switch just was flipped. Uh, you know, concentration and traffic on a 30-yard catch, um, you know, with a, the, the corner in his face. Um, you know, I thought he did a great job, you know, blocking uh, on the outside, buried a cornerback on the edge um, for Amonra uh, St. Brown. Um, showing an ability, you know, catch on the perimeter and uh, the, the strength uh, to work through a tackle, drag a cornerback toward uh, uh, toward the sticks uh, to get a first down. And then Tyler Vaughn, the 6'2", 190-pound junior, uh, he was the guy who you know, had a great game in, in week one against Fresno State, another great game here, five receptions, 106 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, I think he does a great job adjusting to the ball thrown. Um, you know, ball was thrown to the outside on a back shoulder throw, um, thrown down the field. Exceptional body control and footwork along the sideline to haul in the pass, make sure that he didn't step out of bounds before securing the football. Um, routes over the middle, does a good job sitting down in the middle of the defense. Um, you know, had uh, you know three receptions for 76 yards and along the 31 yards in the first half. So this was the guy who was making plays throughout the throughout the game, unlike Pittman, who really just kind of burst onto the you know onto the scene there in the second half. Um, you know, again, concentration, quick cuts in his route running. Um, I, I thought that was one of the things that was that he was really good. Um, you know, once he got out, in and out of his break, you know, he was able to show that that those numbers to the the freshman quarterback, make the catch, ran away from the DBs. Um, you know. Tyler Vaughn's to me is really showing why you know Michael Pittman may be the bigger receiver and be the guy who in the red zone is going to be the target or a guy who's going to win the 50-50 balls. But Tyler Vaughn's going to be the more consistent of the receivers and uh, a guy who can be you know can make plays uh, as a vertical threat, uh, a guy who, who can run some really good routes as well, more of a Nelson Aguilar type uh, receiver there for the Trojans. So that was the late game that I got to watch. Um, I wasn't going to stay up because uh, I'm in, in the central time zone. So by the time Washington and uh, and Cal finished their game at 1 o'clock in the morning Pacific Standard Time, that would have been 3.30. There was no way I was staying up for that, especially considering uh, USC and Stanford wound up ending about 1 a.m. Central Standard Time. So that was the last game of the night that I was able to watch. But uh, as a Trojan alum, I enjoyed watching that game. Um, you know, one of the guys who I was really looking forward to see play and uh, kind of disappointing was, was Christian Rector. Uh, just one tackle on the day, uh, which was a tackle for loss. But the defensive end, I thought, you know, just really overmatched. And you just you didn't see him... Um, Play with much of a sense of urgency um, there for for the Trojans. I thought you know you saw Drake Jackson, Jay Dufele, uh, Martin Tui, uh, Marlon Tuli Pelotu up front uh, make a lot more plays. He just seems like a guy who you know he got overwhelmed um, by that Stanford offensive line. And look, this is a Stanford offensive line that uh, you know is struggling to some to some degree, especially now that, that uh, Walker Little is out. They're thrusting the freshman um, Walter Rouse in the game, and really I was expecting at that point for Christian Rector to really amp things up and really start putting pressure on the quarterback, and we just did not see that. So I mentioned Washington and Cal and, and the 29-19 game 
and uh, wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, Jacob Eason. Again, you know, the transfer from Georgia, uh, 2016 for, uh, for the Bulldogs, over 2,400 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions, eight and five record as a starter. 2017, injured in the season opener. Jake Fromm took over and ultimately he, had, he transferred to UW, sat out 2018, and uh, is the starter for, for the Huskies in, uh, in 2019. Absolutely shows tremendous arm strength. I think that's one of the things that you see. You see the zip uh, coming out of his hands. Um, there's no question about that. But, uh, you know, I thought some of the ball placement was questionable at times there for him. And as I mentioned earlier, stares down his receivers. He was late getting a football to Aaron Fuller on a crossing route. Ultimately, uh, um, you know, Ashton Davis jump in, broke on, on the ball, but got to the receiver a little bit too soon uh, for defensive pass interference. Kind of got bailed out there. Um, I thought the eye discipline, you know, I think that was one of the things that he showed pretty, uh, you know, would look one way, look off the safety, come back to the opposite side to hit his receiver. Um, you know, touch, definitely so showed some touch, uh, getting the football to the, the fullback. Um as the safety was coming forward, uh, got there before the safety could, could get there, you know, rolled left, squared his shoulders to the line, hit the receiver coming across the field. Um, but he, he threw the ball two steps too late, and the receiver ultimately stepped out of bounds. Had he thrown the ball you know, a couple of steps sooner than uh, the receiver catches the ball in the end zone and scores a touchdown, instead the receiver ends up stepping out of bounds. Um, you know, some of his vertical routes, you know, not enough air under the football, um, you know, that's one of the things that uh, he's got to work on. But, you know, no doubt with the arm strength can definitely fit the football into into a tight window. To me, I think, you know, Jacob Eason, you know, I I thought the game against Cal definitely hurt the draft stock because everyone was so impressed with with the debut against Eastern Washington, um, you know, with 345, uh, 49 yards passing in that game in his first start for the Huskies. Um, You know, so kind of an up and down season to start, but, you know, the big 6'5", 235-pound junior, yes, he's only a junior, um, you know, redshirt junior, so he may come back one more year. And, and depending on how, how the top of the, the quarterback class goes, you could see Jacob Eason repeat what, uh, you know, um, Justin Herbert has done for the Ducks. Now, we take a look at, at Cal's linebacker extraordinaire, Evan Weaver, and if you watch the game, 89, you know, I'm sorry, 86, you know, he's, he's all over the field. 6'3", 235 pounds, very quick to diagnose, trusts his eyes, no hesitation in his movement, shoots gaps downhill, 159 tackles in 2018, um, you know, ran along the, ran a long way for a strip sack on, on one play, you know, ran around the defensive end, uh, engaged the right tackle, turned the corner, chased the quarterback, uh, rolling out to the left, ultimately hit him from behind to force the ball free, um, showed an ability to drop into coverage, read a swing pass as the quarterback turns to the running back, breaks on the on the back, uh, closes in a hurry, and basically drops him for for a four yard gain on, on a throw into the boundary. Uh, you know, blitz into the backfield. Um, you know, showed a really good job there. Really, nearly um, disrupted that that mesh. Could have taken the football. Ultimately, ran by there, but still disrupted the play. Uh, a high motor guy, absolutely, you know, very decisive, and uh, has been showing that he can he can make plays in all facets 
of the game. He can he can play against the run. He can set the edge a little bit. He can blitz the quarterback, and he can drop into coverage and recognize routes. I think Evan Weaver definitely helped himself there against the Huskies. Um, but you know it'll be remains to be seen if, if he can keep that momentum up. But uh, you know after 159 tackle performance, you know in in 2018 he's definitely on scouts' radars. And then there's Trey Adams, the 6'8", 327-pound senior offensive tackle for the Huskies. Um, you know, definitely injury-riddled uh, last couple of seasons. Um, you know, I thought that he he, he struggles at times with, with speed rushers. I think he's slow at times, but does a good job taking the defensive end up the field. You know, he'll get beaten out of his stance, but, you know, the biggest thing is, is he doesn't panic, doesn't hold. You know, he, he recovers and is able to, to just – ride the guy away from the pocket. Uh, really a wide base against his edge rushers, anchors very well, um, showed a really good power step to the inside to wall off a defensive end, trying an inside rush, really just shut that down. Um, Want to see him as he, you know, he, he's healthy and, and really gets into the flow of the game. Really want to see him be more of a drive blocker. Haven't seen as much power from him. Um, and that's really something that I want to see more of. You know, when you're looking for those power type offensive tackles, you know, Walter uh, Walker Little is not a power tackle um, and neither is Andrew Thomas. When you talk about a guy like like Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa and a big reason why I think Tristan Wirfs will end up being the number one offensive tackle taken in the draft is he has the quickness with his feet, but he's also one of the most powerful offensive tackles in this year's draft, if not the most powerful. That's what helped Brandon Sheriff be a top five pick was all of that explosiveness to go with the quickness and the lateral agility. So I think that's something that you're going to see from, from Trey Adams is, you know, if you can see a little bit more power into his game, I think you're really going to, to see a difference maker uh, there for the Huskies up front. So LSU and Texas. Now we talked about Joe Burrow and what he did, you know, 6'3", 212 pounds, uh, you know, a, Came to LSU from Ohio State last year. The offense really didn't fit things for him. Kudos to Ed Orgeron for looking at it and saying, you know what, I've got an elite defense. I need an offense that's really going to take things to the next level for the the LSU Tigers. And he brings in Joe Brady from uh, the New Orleans Saints. And suddenly Joe Burrow looks like a guy whose game can translate to the next level. In complete control of this offense. And, uh, you know, throwing the ball all over the field. Um, You know, I hitting multiple receivers. He had three receivers. You know, first time that this has happened for LSU. Three receivers, Justin Je- uh, Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase, and Terrace uh, Marshall, all over 100 yards receiving in the game. Um, you know, I-, I thought that he-, he showed excellent touch and ability to drop the ball over his shoulder, especially on a, uh, a go route by, by Terrace Marshall. Through the fade, uh, wide receiver angled to the sideline, dropped it in over his shoulder for a 23-yard gain. Um, I'm sorry, a 38-yard gain. Um, you know, third and nine from his own three. Um, you know, had a receiver break open over the middle. Um, you know, I, and that was when it was uh, Osai for for Texas. The the linebacker Joseph Osai ultimately picked the pass off. But you know, that's one of the things shakes it off. He's like Sam Darnold. You know, when you throw an interception, doesn't rattle you, doesn't bother you. Uh, you know, ends up you know dropping back. Had a you know, a wide receiver crossing route, poison his pocket, defensive end bearing down on him, uh, and delivered a strike to Jefferson on the cross. Uh, very patient. Um, you know, 
Jeffer waiting for Jefferson to work open over the middle to hit him in stride to get a first down on a third down play. Um, you know, does a really good job just avoiding just the subtle movements. You know, on another play, he drifted to his left away from the rush. Um, you know, tried to um, move Caleb Stearns with his eyes. Um, ultimately, ended up throwing behind the receiver on that play. But just the, his his subtleness in the pocket, I thought, you know, was exceptional. Uh, rhythm quarterback. You know, once he gets in rhythm, watch out. Um, you know, I think one of the things that he still does is he's he's throwing behind his receivers. Uh, especially over the middle. That's something that he needs to kind of watch out just a little bit. Um, but the touch on the fade, um, I, I thought was something that was impressive. Um, corner route to the outside, the timing and, and ability to hit the receiver uh, in stride. Um, had Jefferson on, an, on a 21-yard touchdown. Um, you know, just a touch to, to Jefferson um, with a leaping grab. Um you know, had a hitch, step, throw, as as I said there on the on the telecast. Uh, you know, I thought that was you know really a, a perfect way to kind of talk about what he was doing there, um, and that's really the way that it fit. You know, fifty fifty ball puts the ball up for for Jamar Chase to just go up and get it. Um, you know, and on a third and seventeen play with two thirty seven to play, up thirty seven thirty one, pocket collapsing, um, able to roll to his left, square his shoulders. Hit Jefferson coming across the field. Then the wide receiver took off down the sideline for a 61-yard touchdown to pretty much seal the deal there for LSU. Joe Burrow, to me, you know, really helped himself in that game, you know, especially against a top-notch, uh, top-notch defense like Texas. Um, you know, Sam Ellinger, look, you know, this guy, he's a gunslinger, you know, and 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 things aren't always gonna look pretty, but he makes a lot of plays. Um, you know, he'll he'll throw. Uh, into traffic has no problem doing that. Um, he likes to run. You know, I think he has really good quickness as a runner. Um, does does a good job putting the ball up for his receivers down the sideline. Allows them to go up and get the football. But he puts the ball in a in a position where the receivers can go up and make a play. Um, you know, I, I think he he does a good job. Um, you know, there's a crossing route by Devin Duvernay. Uh, and was able, basically the receiver clears Michael Divinity, the linebacker, and gets the ball in there before Grant Delphic can, can come over from the safety position. And sometimes he'll try to do too much in the pocket. You know, I think he does a good job moving um, and avoiding the rush, but sometimes he'll try to do too much. He'll take a sack rather than getting the football away. Um, the footwork, though, you know, he, he had Patrick Queen all over him, uh, who shot through the A-gap in a hurry, but he was able to avoid that sack and get the football away. Um, stands tall in the pocket, you know, despite the, the, the defense you know, collapsing the pocket, um, able to still move the safety with his eyes um, and able to put the football over the linebacker and in front of the safety uh, before they can get over. Uh, the eye discipline definitely was there. He's just a gamer, you know, a guy who likes to make plays, and uh, I think Sam Ellinger definitely helped himself in this game. Uh, Grant Delpit, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, cramped up. You know, in the second half, wasn't able to make quite the uh, quite the plays that you want to see. But you did see a swing pass to Keontae Ingram on the perimeter. Uh, running back tried to cut inside, but he broke down in run support. Uh, in the open field, able to make that tackle two yards shy of a first down on third and three. I thought that was an exceptional play by Delpit. 
201 junior, definitely a top five pick in my opinion. Uh, Kalevon Chasen, uh, 6'5", 240-pound redshirt sophomore, um, showed really good quickness off the ball. Um, you know, not the biggest guy, but really showed speed to power. Really, you know, using those hands, striking into the chest of Samuel Cosme, um, you know, and uh, able to drive him back into the quarterback. You know, showed a good slap and rip, uh, keeping his pad level low and uh, able to bend around the corner a little bit. Um, you know, showed a, on a twist the speed to run through the A-gap, chase down the quarterback for a sack as well. Um, so I, I think Chasen definitely showing that he can be a, you know, a playmaker getting after the quarterback. Uh, Christian Fulton, though, 5'11", 194-pound senior, I thought he struggled at times. You know, that was one of those things to where, um, you know, he, he had had some plays, you know, gave a receiver you know, a seven-yard cushion and uh, ultimately on a stop route was able to break quickly on the ball and get his hand in as the ball arrived. But uh, let's see, and on another, you know, comeback route, inside leverage, um, broke on the ball, undercut the route, able to knock the football away. But uh, let's see. You know, had a, you know, had a play, you know, with uh, Brennan Eagles, uh, the, the freshman receiver there on, on the outside who ultimately scored a 35-yard touchdown, uh, went for the pick, didn't get it. Uh, receiver ultimately made the catch and and took uh, took off down the sideline. Really was uh, had his eyes on the quarterback. Tried to undercut uh, undercut the route and uh, you know wasn't able to do so. The the quarterback really threw it over the top of him, kind of baited him with his eyes a little bit. Um, but he he did rebound um, in phase with the receiver. Didn't go for a stutter and go and really was on him like glue in phase all the way down the sideline. Um, so he's somebody who I think you know is continuing to progress and uh, just needs more time out on the football field. Parker Braun, uh, the 6'3", 300-pound uh, senior uh, grad transfer from Georgia Tech, uh, playing for, for the Longhorns, um, really just showed uh, an ability to be a drive blocker in, in the run game. Um, you know, showed an ability to come across the formation and pick up uh, Kalevin Chasen. Um, so, so showed really good lateral quickness, anchors well um, in the passing game. I thought he did a good job getting under Richard Lawrence's pad level and standing him up, and uh, also able to drive him back with some good power. You know, the strength, uh, you know, speed to power off the line, really driving a guy. You know, just a powerful, powerful offensive guard. I think his stock has definitely uh, shot up uh, quite a bit. I think Jacob Phillips. You know, 6'4", 233-pound uh, linebacker, uh, needs work and coverage. You know, that's really what I have written here. You know, I thought he does a good job, good instincts in the running game, but he definitely looks lost at times in coverage. He's somebody who probably should come back for a senior season. Um, Brandon Jones, the safety, um, you know, does a good job, you know, coming off, off of a block, um, able to shed it and, and coming down downhill to – uh, drive the the running back, you know, on a play into the boundary, um, slot fade by Jefferson in phase right on his hip, no separation. Uh, so Brandon Jones, I think, definitely helped himself, showing an ability to cover, um, you know, Rashard Lawrence, uh, the six two, three hundred eight pound defensive end for LSU, the senior, uh, showing good power to push uh, Parker Braun back into the pocket a little bit. 
but his hands get up high at times, got called for illegal hands to the face, plays with a high pad level at times as well. So that's something that he has to watch out for. Um, you know, Colin Johnson, you know, I, I think he's a guy who can work some underneath routes, a guy who can definitely go up and, and high point the football, excellent hands, big catch radius, but a guy I worry about whether or not he can separate at the next level. So those were some guys that I was really keeping an eye on there in that LSU-Texas game. Um, definitely two teams that uh, you know stepped up their play, and uh, they'll be a tough out for anybody in uh, the SEC and Big 12, respectively. Now, Auburn took on Tulane, and uh, 24-6 was the final. And uh, look, Derek Brown, every time that guy plays, 6'5", 316-pound senior, just so stout at the point of attack. You know, facing double teams, uh, but showed you know an ability to just show that the speed to power, driving his man back into the backfield, uh, power in his hands, just the powerful strikes. Shows a slap move to to get the hands off and then rip through to get in. Uh, you know, get penetration early um, on the plays. You know, a, a guy who um, shows pretty good quickness to split double teams. Um, you know, on another run play, starts to the left of the left guard. Uh, so then they run into the A gap. And uh, so he was able to, I'm sorry, it was the right guard. And uh, so he takes the right guard after engaging him there on the on the left side, ends up grabbing him, kind of does a pull move, throws him aside, and is able to drop the running back in that A gap hole um, for no gain. Um, you know, to me, Derek Brown's a guy that you have to keep an eye on on every single play. Um, and we'll talk about what that means to me here in just one moment. I thought Marlon Davidson, you know, coming into the season, wasn't all that impressed with what he's been able to, you know, what he was doing up to this point. 6'3", 278 pounds, um, was a stand-up defensive end coming off the edge. Uh, does a really good job, you know, uh, in-run support, uh, reads the QB eyes. Um, and gets his hand into the passing lane to, to disrupt the pass. I think Marlon Davidson's definitely helped him so far this year. For Tulane, Patrick Johnson, you know, 6'3", 250 pounds, kind of a hybrid defensive end linebacker, playing the joker position for them. Um, shows a really good job coming off the edge, um, dropping the running back in the backfield, one yard shy of a first down. Um, Struggled to get off tight end blocks. You know, Spencer Nye, I thought, really uh, did a good job keeping him in front of him. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things that was really impressive, though, was a jet sweep to Eli Stove. Two tight ends with lead blockers. Took on them both. Able to, to really get outside and set the edge. And uh, ultimately allowed uh, the uh, the linebacker to, to make a play, get a tackle for loss on it. You know, I thought that his ability to, to take on the multiple blockers, really slide laterally and get outside to really kind of set that edge, really that containment and be able to force him inside to where that linebacker was able to make a play. Um, showed a good stutter on, on the right tackle and then the speed running around the edge to really pressure there and affect the quarterback. I think Patrick Johnson's a guy to keep an eye on there for Tulane. Uh, Prince Tega Wanogo, the, the left tackle, 6'7", 305 pounds. Very light on his feet, long arms, able to mirror defensive ends quite a bit. Um, but he also whiffed on Patrick Johnson, really had a free path to the quarterback. Uh, so I, I think there's, there's some uh, inexperience at times. You know, I thought he overset and was susceptible to some inside moves as well. 
but uh, so quick out of his stance, so athletic, you know, and, and the long arms. There's a lot to work with there uh, watching Prince Tega Winogo. Um, you know, then one last guy to talk about uh, for Auburn is Noah Ig- uh, Igbenogane, uh, the 5'11", 200-pound junior corner, um, wide receiver on, on an out route, really showed good closing speed to jump the route and uh, get a breakup on the play. Um, lined up in the slot against Daryl Mooney, really trailing him on his hip and uh, able to get a hand in and knock a football away. Um, uh, you know, definitely somebody who's going to take chances, guy who wants to gamble there on the outside, but a guy who definitely understands routes, does a really good job putting himself in a position to make plays. Um, you know, for Tulane, their big running back, Darius Bradwell, really couldn't get anything going. Uh, 6'1", 230 pounds. He's a big, powerful back with a with a really strong leg drive to run through contact. But uh, he was one guy that I was waiting to see really break off a big run. He didn't start. It was actually uh, Amare Jones, Jalen McCleskey, um, really kind of taking hold of that. But uh, finished with 12 carries for just 30 yards. But he's definitely someone to watch. You know, if you get a chance to watch Tulane, watch the big back run. I think you'll enjoy watching him play. Um, so... Taking a look through things, I've got two last two last games to, to talk about here, and uh, Colorado versus Nebraska. As I mentioned, seventeen to nothing at the half. Uh, Steven Montez, you know, just doesn't didn't you know the pocket collapsing, but he still had time to make plays down the field, and he opted to run and, and you know, run the football. He was kind of playing scared, um, didn't really you know stand in and make plays and throw get rid of the football. He's got you know Lavisca Chanel. He's got Katie Nixon, um, Brady Russell at, at tight end is really starting to step up as well. Um, you know, I, I thought he was somebody who. I really wanted to see make plays and, and he's one of those guys to where, you know, there was busted coverage on a play and he started rolling to his, his, his right. Didn't even set his feet and threw the ball a good 30 yards down the field, hit a receiver in stride. So he has uh, the athletic ability and the arm strength to make plays. Um, you know, but it, it's something that he needs to be more consistent. You know, there's a flea flicker on the, on a play and, and he had uh KJ Nixon down the field, threw the football, I think a good 45, 50 yards in the air, hit him in stride, 96-yard touchdown. Uh, that really got things going for, for the Buffaloes. I think Steven Montez, like I said, needs to be more consistent, needs to trust himself in the pocket, really needs to have better pocket presence, pockets, pocket awareness, pockets collapsing. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're the quarterback. You're the guy who's ultimately going to have to make plays throwing the football down the field. So he's going to have to do a better job of really you know, keeping the eyes down the field and not you know, being so uh, concerned with the rush. I thought LaVisca Chenault, uh, you know, 6'2", 220-pound junior, um, he really does a good job um, with the underneath routes. That's really where he's kind of made a, a, a living for, for Colorado. You know, he reminds me a lot of, of Keelan Doss in that respect. Because Keelan Doss for the Aggies, he was a weapon, you know, coming across the middle all the time, all day long. And LaVisca Chenault, whenever you get the ball in his hands, he does a really good job of making the first man miss. Very powerful. Reminds me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I think... The biggest thing, you know, he was injured at one point during this game, injured his shoulder a little bit. Uh, in 2018, battled foot and uh, and toe injuries and ultimately had to have off-season shoulder surgery, so he missed the entire spring. He's just kind of getting a feel. You know, this new Mel Tucker-led uh 
coaching staff really getting more of a feel of who LaVisca Chenault is. So I think as the season progresses, you're going to see him continue to develop um, you know, as a as a receiver. You know, I thought Katie Nixon, the 5'8", 185-pound junior, really you know showed an ability to be a, a game-breaker. I think he's going to be a slot receiver if he gets a chance at the next level. Um, you know, Good route-running ability. Showed a good stop-and-go on, on the flea flicker on that 96-yard touchdown. Um, and as I said, you know, Davion Taylor, 6'2", 225 pounds, very, you know, just dynamic in the open field. Excellent, you know, drop in uh, Maurice Washington, fought through a block on the perimeter and then drops uh, Washington, like I said, in the open field, speed into the backfield to ultimately run down the, the run play, really blowing that play up. Um You know, he just the awareness, his ability, you know, he drops into zone coverage, really waiting for the quarterback uh, to hit Jack Stahl, the tight end on an out route, uh, drove on the ball, jumped the route, nearly got the interception, but at least got the pass breakup, um, play action, swing pass, um, broke quickly downhill to break up, uh, break up the play as well. Uh, just excellent speed, like I said. Just closes in a hurry and is exceptional as a wrap-up tackler in the open field. I think Davion Taylor definitely uh, doing a great job. Um, you know, he's he's going to rise up draft boards. You know, just just watch. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, six six three, two hundred fifteen pound corner, um, did a really good job baiting Steven Montez. The play action rollout, um, read the route. Got some depth. He was playing underneath. Got some depth, and uh, was able to get a leaping interception. I think what he was watching, what Montez was watching. I think it was a corner route that was behind him. He reads the route and is able to go ahead and get get some depth to ultimately pick off the pass, get into the throwing lane. Um, you know, plays in phase most of the time. He's right up, right with the receiver. Um, you know, shows really good length as well to get his hand in and knock knock footballs down. Um, you know, I, I think Lamar Jackson, somebody who's underrated, and I think he's going to continue to improve his draft stock. But if there was a corner who helped himself the most in week two, I thought that had to be, without a doubt, Miles Jones out of Texas A&M. You know, he's 6'4", 185 pounds. And I think the fact that he was so tall for a corner – I was looking at him and I was like, you know, I didn't really have him among my top 10 and really didn't have him, you know, in our, our preseason um, because I, I just I wasn't expecting to see the, the ball skills. What is enabled to see him, um, you know, really just shut down receivers? You know, I, I thought that, that Trevor uh, Lawrence had much better success throwing to anybody not named Miles Jones. Number 10 was making plays left and right on the outside. You know, an out and up by Justin Ross. Um, wasn't fooled, stayed in phase, able to leap and, and knock the football away. Um, you know, starts looking inside, then uh, you know, turns to face the receiver who ran an out. Um, basically, you know, able to, you know, without any wasted movement, able to transition, quick hips, able to plant, drive on the football on the outside. He's a physical corner, like I said, with excellent length. I think Miles Jones really uh, is a guy who is moving moving up my draft boards, if nothing else. But you know, I thought he was definitely impressive. Uh, I thought Isaiah Simmons, 
the 6'4", 225-pound junior hybrid linebacker, safety, whatever you want to call him. I thought he definitely helps himself. You know, he's said to run a 4 3 one um, but he ran down downhill from depth with a big hit on, on, on the running back after just a three-yard game. Um, you know, came over the top um, to contest a, a throw to Javon Osmond. Um, ultimately... Um, broke up the ball or broke up the pass on that play. Um, read a zone um, zone read play. Got to the boundary, um, able to to keep off the blocks and ultimately drop the um, drop the running back down for only a three yard gain. Uh, extinctive, athletic, explosive. Um, those are all attributes um, that I think definitely fit for for Isaiah Simmons. Um, let's see, T. Higgins, 6'4", 215-pound receiver there for Clemson, um, showed really good concentration on a crossing route, able to pluck the ball out of his air with his hands, um, you know, after really taking a, you know, a, a good hit there by Buddy Johnson, skinny post, 30-yard, uh, yard play, got inside leverage, and, uh, You know, ball was thrown uh, to the outside, away from the safety, and uh, he was ultimately able to make an adjustment to the football as well. I thought that was a nice play. Um, as I said, Kellen Mond missed, missed a ton of throws. Um, I thought, you know, as a guard, uh, John Simpson definitely helped himself. 6'4", 330 pounds. You know, the senior played really good, you know, with really good leverage, standing up whichever defensive tackle was lining up over him, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, Justin Matabuke, uh, Bobby Brown, uh, you know Jaden Peavy. Uh, it didn't really matter who they put in front of him. You know he seemed to to really um, continue to play with excellent leverage. You know, and I think that's really the the biggest thing more than anything else. Um, you know, does a really good job climbing to the second level as well, burying linebackers. This is a guy. You know, I I hadn't really watched too much of his play there for Clemson. Uh, a season ago because frankly there was just so much talent he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit but uh he plays with a mean streak man he he wants to bury guys he's physical he's mean um you know like i said plays with really good leverage as well but he's looking to bury guys and uh you know i kind of like that um you know aj terrell the 6'1 190 pound junior corner um just mr consistency you know takes good angles um reads, reads the routes really well trusts his eyes you know, I think that's a you know really good play there. Um, once again, from AJ Taylor, I think you know when it's all said and done, you know we're going to be talking about AJ Taylor as one of the. Um, I'm sorry, AJ Terrell is one of the better cornerbacks in this year's draft class, um, and I said that that was going to be the last last one to, to talk about, but I realized we actually have a couple more um, before we call it quits. Um, Maryland and Syracuse. Man, you want to talk about a, a team, you know, they score 79 points in their first game, 63 in their second game. Maybe the Maryland Terrapins are for real. Anthony McFarland, the, the you know, 5'6", 193-pound redshirt sophomore running back. I'm sorry, he's 5'8". Um, explosive burst, uh, a, a exceptional vision. The lateral quickness is exceptional. Underrated power. 
you know, 500 pounds squat. They showed him, you know, really just putting it up for three reps there on, uh, on the broadcast. Um, very impressive individual. Um, like I said, the lateral quickness off tackle, juking linebackers in the open field, uh, cutting inside and, uh, it showed the exceptional burst on a 20 yard touchdown. Um, does a good job coming back to the football to catch it in, in the open field. Anthony McFarland wound up finishing the day 14 carries for 78 yards and a couple of touchdowns, um, but he's an exceptional receiver. I think that's one of the things that kind of stood out for me. Um, you know, Antoine Brooks um, had busted coverage against Taj Harris, um, got open behind him. Um, Ultimately, you know, big game that ultimately led to, to, a, to a touchdown. Um, does show good range um, to the perimeter versus the run and is a sure tackler, delivers a big hit. But you really want to see more from him in coverage. Um, you know, look, you know, I thought Maryland did a really good job handling Alton Robinson, the 6'4", 260-pound senior defensive end, uh, and, and – as well as Kendall Coleman, um, the 6'3", 253-pound defensive end on his opposite side. Um, you know, Coleman showed an ability to, you know, a burst to get to the quarterback, showed two steps to the outside, cut back inside um, as the you know left tackle overset, burst to close in on the running back for a tackle for loss. You, know, you saw Alton Robinson, um, you know, with the speed on a twist play on one, um, showed a good stutter. And then a beat, you know, beat the left tackle to the inside. But you know, I think for the most part, you know, the 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 Terps did a good job, really neutralizing their speed coming off the edge. Um, so that was pretty surprising, you know, to to me. Um, I thought Josh Jackson, the 6'2", 218 pound redshirt junior quarterback for the Terps, really making good decisions. Uh, though he was twenty one of thirty eight. Uh, you know, he, he threw for 296 yards, three touchdowns, and just one interception. Um, accuracy issues at times, but uh, made some some good decisions with the football. Um, you know, the Terps are for real. And, uh, you know, I think Mike Loxley's got something going there with the offense. We'll continue to talk about McFarland and his running mate, uh, Javon Leak. Only a junior, um, but definitely another playmaker there. And, uh that leads us to uh, Ohio State and Cincinnati. I talked about Chase Young in the opener. And uh, look, you know, just the speed um, coming off the edge, speed to power, excellent hand usage. Does a really good job, you know, with the slap uh, of the hands ripping through. When you watch Ohio State defensive ends, whether you're talking about the Bosa brothers or Chase Young, that's one thing that you that is consistent. The hands um, are just exceptional. Uh, speed rush against the left tackle there for Cincinnati, uh, dipping that inside shoulder, getting under the left tackle's pad uh, pad level, and uh, really able to turn the corner in a hurry, then flattening out, getting to the quarterback for a sack on third down, uh, you know, getting his team off the field. Uh, Chase Young, to me, no-brainer, has a chance to be uh, the number one overall pick. I mean, he just looks like a like a man child out there. 6'5", 267-pound junior, um, definitely looks the part. Uh, Josiah DeGuerra, um, people are sleeping on him. You know, he's 6'3", 240-pound tight end. You know, a guy, you know, can line up in the slot. Had a head fake to the outside. Got uh, Pete Warner, the linebacker, to bite. Able to release um, and, and make a catch and run for 21 yards up the seam. Um, 
you know, and another 20-yard gain later on up the seam as well. But an underrated blocker. He's one of the better tight ends in this draft class, and I think he's going to continue to see his stock rise, as will Jeffrey Akuda. You know, he's already on everyone's radar as the next Denzel Ward, 6'1", 199-pound junior, but just tight coverage. You know, the receivers really struggled to create any separation when they went up against uh, Akuda. Uh, does a really good job reading the routes, uh, recognizes uh, you know, recognizes the routes, you know, reads the quarterback's eyes, drives quickly on the football, uh, good ball skills, um, excellent tackler in the open field as well. Uh, you know, Jeffrey Akuda, you know, he's going to challenge Paulson Adebo for the number one cornerback spot, absolutely. Uh, J.K. Dobbins showed pretty good hands as a pass catcher, the 5'9", 214-pound junior running back. Um, he has a chance to be you know, the number four, number five running back in this year's draft class. I think behind uh, the likes of Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, and then DeAndre Swift of of Georgia, um, they played Murray State, had a big win in the game. But uh, J.K. Dobbins, just the the speed, had a 60-yard touchdown. Um, The line was just dominating, gaping holes, but, you know, he showed really good, you know, acceleration running through the holes and then just ran by the defensive backs all the way uh, to pay dirt. Uh, good leg drive, balance to run through contact, keeps his footing, uh, keeps moving forward. Um, you know, in the game, you know, 17 carries, 141 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, you know, to me, J.K. Dobbins definitely um, showing a really good job there. Uh, Michael Warren, um, you know, the the junior back there for Cincinnati. Just 10 carries for 15 yards. Um, poor effort on a pass block attempt. Ultimately gave up a sack to Malik Harrison. Uh, the 6'3", 251-pound senior linebacker. Um, shot between the left tackle, um, between the, the guard and the tackle, and uh, just ran right through um, Warren's block to get the sack. I think Harrison is going to continue to develop as well there at the linebacker position, and I think his stock is going to rise as well. Um, so there were a, were a few games uh, there on Friday that I also got to tune into. Um, you know, that was Wake Forest against Rice, and uh, look, Isang Bassi, you know, proved that he can be one of the cornerbacks there on the outside. Really stayed in the hip pocket of a receiver on a post. Um, bail technique, plant, drive on the slant, um, able to get his hand in and, and make a play on the football. Um, form tackler, gets low, really wraps up and drives through the running back. Uh, wide receiver on a crossing route, jams him at the top of the route. Uh, then the hips to transition, no wasted movement, stays in phase, able to get in, knock the football away. Justin Sternad, the linebacker, 6'3", 235 pounds. Uh, the, the, the senior... Um, you know, you, you saw 23 flying all over the field, um, had a game-winning interception against Jordan Love uh, of Utah State the, the week prior, but, you know, gets depth in coverage, reads the quarterback's eyes, flows to his left, gets a near interception, uh, ultimately dropped the pick, um, but then the speed on the outside um, to, to chase down the quarterback, um, good speed, like I said, to the perimeter. So this is a guy who makes plays um, in coverage Against the run, can blitz the quarterback a little bit. You know, he's more of a next, basically the, this new generation of linebackers, and I think you're going to see his his draft stock uh, continue to rise. Now, the receivers for Wake Forest, man, they've got some receivers. Sage Surratt, 
is 6'3", 215-pound redshirt sophomore. He has a chance to come out. Um, you know, last week against uh, Utah State, um, you know, 158 yards, um, just a big-bodied guy, um, only player in, in um, North Carolina history to, to be named player of the year in both basketball and football. They kept talking about that on the broadcast. I thought that was interesting um, there on ESPN. Uh, Scotty Washington, the 6'5", 225-pound senior, excellent length, you know, a guy who can get vertical a little bit, um, really showed off some of the basketball skills, attacking the football in the air, boxing out the receiver, using that big body to his advantage. I'll tell you what, those are two big receivers who have a chance to play at the next level. Uh, Carlos Basham, he's 6'5", 275 pounds, redshirt sophomore, known as Boogie, and really we should be calling him Boogie Basham from here on out. Um... You know, stutter and, and and really shoots through the a gap. Speed to the quarterback on a strip uh, strip sack. Um, you know, slap and then an arm over uh, to get by the left tackle on the edge with with a quick get off. Uh, read a three strip dot, able to elevate and knock down the pass. Got into the passing lane there. Um, Carlos Basham's a guy. Um, you know, we could be talking about for this year's draft. I think he's one of those borderline type players. And then uh, Justin Heron, the 6'5", 290-pound senior, torn ACL a season ago. Uh, I thought he did a good job anchoring, showing good leverage, um, getting his hands under the defensive end's pass rush, um, or pad level, I'm sorry. Uh, Good hips uh, to turn and seal his man in the running game, sealing him to the outside. Sustains his block and finishes in the running game. You really want to see that. Definite knee bender, um, anchors well, um, wide base, you know, those are all things that I have noted here for, for Justin Heron. And then finally, there's Boise State against Marshall. It was a 14 to 7 game. Ezra Cleveland has no power. This guy's a finesse tackle, a guy who can mirror just about any defensive end. Um, so light on his feet, but you want to see him be a drive blocker in the running game. You're not going to really get that. And, uh, you know, if you want to see some power, really, even in, in pass protection, you're not going to see it. And I think that's where I think Ezra Cleveland's stock is going to drop a little bit is he's such a finesse tackle, you know, that he can potentially get manhandled at the point of attack. Now, one guy who isn't afraid to get dirty is, is Curtis Weaver, 6'3", 265-pound, redshirt junior. This is a guy who really does an excellent job, you know, both in, in uh, setting the edge against the run does a good job actually dropping into coverage. He did that quite a bit in this game, but uh, can really bend coming off the edge. Uses his hands very well to get off blocks. Uses rip moves to get inside the left tackle. Um, ran by the right tackle, so he was lining up on both sides of the line. Really wreaking havoc um, all game long for Isaiah Green. Um, you know, Curtis Weaver living up to the bill. Should be a first-round pick. And then... Um, you know, John Moltron for, for, for Boise State, though, you know, we talked about Ezra Cleveland not being powerful. This guy absolutely is. He's 6'5", 318 pounds. Um, he's a guard, um, but he was actually playing. He's a, the left guard, but he was playing right tackle um, for, the, for the game. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, John Ajukwo, uh, their, their right tackle, was injured. Um, so he moved over to the right tackle position. Very physical. He's strong at the point of attack. Footwork was very sloppy um, at uh, at tackle. 
but he's so powerful. He's going to be a guard, and he showed off at least enough athleticism to, to make me think that this guy has a chance at the next level. And then uh, Kikoa Na, uh, Nawahine, the 6'2", 207-pound safety, sure, sure tackler, plays in the box very well, um, wraps up well on the run plays, does a good job getting his hand in, ripping the ball free on a fumble, takes excellent angles, um, not fooled um, on a throw by by Xavier Gaines, the, the talented uh, do-everything guy who played quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, did a little bit of everything. Um was over the top on, on the post play and uh, poor throw was in position to ultimately pick off the pass. Very intelligent player. Um, I think Nawahine is, is a name that people need to start paying attention to uh, at the safety position. So those are the games that I got to watch. Wanted to kind of bring things a, a little bit. Some of the guys that we talked about, you know, again, obviously, like I said, Joe Burrow, and, uh, and Sam Ellinger, I thought, definitely helped themselves at the quarterback position. Conversely, I thought Shea Patterson really struggled. Jonathan Taylor really cementing himself as the number one running back in the draft class. J.K. Dobbins, though, I think is really cementing himself as the number four running back in the, cl- in the draft class. Um, you know, a lot of talented receivers out there. Um, you know, I, I think Tyler Johnson is, is a guy. Colin Johnson probably seeing their draft stock drop just a little bit. I think Tyler Vaughn's of USC, he's seeing his draft stock really start to shoot up. You know, he's he's really um, become the big play guy there for the Trojans. Um, you know, I thought Kelly Bryant, the quarterback at Missouri, really, you know, had a redeeming day for him. Um, but getting back to the receivers, uh, Quintez Cephas is is the the quarter or the, the wide receiver um, whose draft stock is really shooting up um, I think you're going to see a battle between Paulson Adebo and Jeffrey Akuda to be the number one corner taken in the draft. But watch out for Miles Jones. I think he's another guy whose draft stock is going to continue to rise. Um, we talked about Shea Patterson and his struggles. I think Steven Montez really up and down play right now. Um, you know, Colorado's going to, you know, Mel Tucker, he, they've got an explosive offense. They've got a lot of skill position guys that can make plays, but he's someone that you have to watch out for. Uh, and then that takes us to Derek Brown and, and Chase Young, two guys that we know, you know we have to know where they are on the field at all times. And if you're going to take a guy in the top five, now when you talk about guys in the top five from a season ago, you had obviously Kyler Murray, the quarterback, taken number one overall by the Arizona Cardinals. But after that, Nick Bosa had to know where he was on the field at all times. Every single play, this guy can affect the game. Number three, Quinn and Williams there out of Alabama taken by the Jets. Again, you had to know where he was on the field at all times. He was blowing plays up on the interior of that defensive line. Oakland at number four, taking a, a polished pass rusher in Cleveland Furl, a guy who could make plays off the edge at any given time. And then finally at number five, Devin White. Back-to-back 120-plus tackle seasons there for LSU being taken by the Bucks, number five overall. When you're looking at guys and who who really is going to be that top five pick, I think you absolutely have to look at Tua as, as being the guy with the anticipation, the ball skills, um, you know, the anticipation, the ball placement. Uh, he's definitely the the number one uh, quarterback. At this point, although the you know when you have a quarterback with all the physical ability of of, of Justin Herbert, but Justin Herbert, I, I, I just don't see him as a top five pick at this point. 
You look at, at Chase Young and uh, the way he affects games. Have to know where he's at at all times. Derek Brown affecting you know plays from the interior. Have to know where he is at all times as well. Jeffrey Akuda, Paulson Adebo on the outside at the cornerback position. Grant Delpit, another guy who's making plays in, in the back end of the defense. Those are guys that you have to keep an eye on. Guys that really are making plays. Yator Grossmatos is another guy there for Penn State who just makes a ton of plays behind the line of scrimmage. You have to know where he's at at all times. A.J. Epinesa for Iowa, getting a lot more snaps now that Anthony uh, Nelson's gone. Another guy to really keep an eye out for. And then obviously Jerry Judy, a guy who can affect plays, uh, affect the game you know, in a multitude of ways there at the receiver position, both with his speed and his suddenness as a route runner. Another guy who can be a top you know, top five pick. So I've just named off, what, seven, eight guys who can be top five picks. Those are definitely going to be guys in the top ten. Don't forget Tristan Wirfs, as I said. I think he's going to end up being the number one tackle taken when it's all said and done. His blend of power and speed, you know, his ability to play both left tackle and right tackle, um, you know, and and show the, the power and the finesse, you know, on, on both positions, I thought was exceptional. Um, so keep an eye out there. So now when we're leading into, into the weekend, now this is being taped on, on Thursday night, uh, Thursday the 12th. It's going to be released on Friday the 13th. And uh, you know, on Friday the 13th, you got uh, Mac Brown taking on Wake Forest. You know, the the Tar Heel is going to have to deal with Sage Surratt and uh, and Scotty Washington, uh, Justin Sternad, and and Isang Bassey. I think Wake Forest gets it done there. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks taking on Boston College. Uh, maybe this will be the game that really jumpstarts AJ Dillon. Uh, Washington State, the Cougars with an elite offense, uh, number 20 in the nation, taking on Houston. Um, that could be a you know trouble for Dana Holgerson um, on Saturday. You know I'm gonna watch uh, you know Blake Anderson. Um, you know his first first game back there for the Red Wolves of Arkansas State um, after the passing tragic passing of his wife. Um, you know that's a team that's gonna be up for things, and I think they're gonna have a pink out. Uh, in, in honor of his late wife there for, for Georgia, uh, all class there in Athens. Uh, Penn State taking on Pitt. You never know what's going to happen there. Penn State's ranked number 13 in the country. Gross Matos should have a field day there. Um, let's see, what other games might I be interested in? Um, as I scroll through things here, Notre Dame taking on New Mexico at home. Uh, Alabama going to Columbia, um, number two ranked Crimson Tide. Um, you know South Carolina won't be won't have Jake Bentley, uh, broken foot, so he's out indefinitely. But uh, you know Halinski, the backup, uh, stepped in. You know and uh, really showed showed out. So it'll be interesting to see if he can really rally the troops and if if uh, they can give Alabama some trouble there in Will, uh, Williams Bryce Stadium. Uh, Stanford taking on uh, number 17th ranked UCF. Uh, UCF with Brandon Wimbush. Brandon Wimbush to me, I think you know is is not um, not a strong passer. Uh, but Stanford, you know, this is a, a team where their their defense and their offensive line not what they've been like in in past years. Getting KJ Costello back for that offense, I think, is definitely going to help. Number twenty four ranked USC Trojans and Keaton Slovis heading to Provo, taking on BYU in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Um, 
you know, I think that'll be interesting. You know, I want to see what that offense does against a pretty stout BYU defense. Um, scrolling through Oklahoma State, traveling to Tulsa. If you haven't gotten to watch Tulsa play, as I've, I've mentioned in, in the last podcast, you got a couple of linebackers, Zavin, um Collins, Davian Collins has an NFL body. Cooper Edmiston, um, you know, back-to-back 100 tackle seasons. A guy who I think can drop into coverage a little bit. I hope he gets a chance um, to show what he can do at the next level. Number 19 ranked Iowa Hawkeyes traveling to Jack Tri Stadium, taking on Iowa State. Um, you know, Nate Stanley really needs to have a big game. Really want to see what Tristan Wirfs can do as a, as a blocker, and then obviously AJ Epinesa getting after Brock Purdy. Um, Let's see, what other games can we tune into here? Um, Cal uh, is, is facing North Texas at home. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch Mason Fine and Enrico Bussey play, you're in for a treat. Um, you know, Bussey uh, and company will get to go, uh, you know, and Fine and company will get to go up against the likes of Evan Weaver and then the, tr- uh, the tremendous safeties that we didn't even talk about in Ashton Davis, who's on the track team. And then uh, Jalen Hawkins, two exceptional safeties there for the Cal Bears. Um, so I think that would at least just be an interesting matchup more than anything else. I'm expecting Cal to end up coming away with the victory there, though. Um, so as we continue down things, uh, Florida taking on Kentucky um, at Kroger Field. That could potentially be an interesting game. Number nine ranked Florida Gators. Um, Clemson traveling to Syracuse, the Carrier Dome. Um, you know, can Alton Robinson and, and, and Kendall Coleman really get loose and, and get after the quarterback? They struggled mightily against Maryland. They could be in for a long day against Clemson. Uh, Washington, number 23 ranked uh, Huskies, uh, have Hawaii showing up at home. You know, um, they're going to have to deal with Cedric Bird, you know, who's a tremendous re- receiver there for the Warriors. I think Washington comes away with a W, but. You know, Hawaii, you know, they, they showed against Arizona, you know, how tough they can be. So I don't think that's going to be a gimme game by any means. Um, Oklahoma traveling to the Rose Bowl. Jalen Hurts and company. You know, Jalen Hurts throwing the ball to CeeDee Lamb, Grant Calcaterra and company. And then you have Trey Sermons running the football. Um, I think that should be, they'll make easy work of the Bruins. And, uh, you know, DTR, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback for UCLA, is going to have to deal with Kenneth Murray and company. Um, I, I think that game may be over by halftime. Uh, Boise State, I'm going to tune in and watch this game late. Uh, Boise State against uh, Portland State. Want to see what uh, you know the tight end, Charlie uh, Tamopeau, there for, uh, for Portland State. Um, and obviously wanting to see Curtis Weaver. Any chance I can watch him play, I'm definitely going to do that as well. Um, and then one last game there in the Pac-12 late night, um, you know, 9.45 Central. 15-ranked Ducks taking on Montana. I want to tune in and watch Dante Olsen, the linebacker there for Montana, and, and the Grizzlies taking on Justin Herbert in that high-powered attack. You know, what can Dante Olsen do if he really wants to make a difference and ultimately be you know, challenged to potentially be a, a day-two pick? You know, This is a guy who makes a ton of plays. I believe it was 150 tackles a season ago. If he really wants to be a day-two pick, you know, if he wants to be a guy who's going to be considered for the senior bowl and everything else, um, he's going to have to show up and, and have a, a huge game, really the, the game of his career against Oregon, because, you know, this is a high profile game for him. And I'm really you know hoping that he steps up. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to getting to watch him play just a little bit here. So that will do it. 
We've covered week number two. We've broken down some of the matchups there, games to watch for week three. So hope that you're ready and prepared to watch some of our draft-eligible prospects for this upcoming weekend. Hope everybody has enjoyed the ride so far. Uh, like I said, you know we're we're already into into the middle of September. You know we're week three, and uh, you know I'll continue breaking down as many games as I can to hopefully get you prepared for each and every college football week so you know which draft prospects to watch for so you can be ready for the NFL draft come April. So I hope everyone has a great weekend, football-filled weekend, and uh, we'll talk again next week. So I will get ready for the draft.com, get the website updated, get all my top 10 prospects by position updated for you. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. Enjoy your week of football. And we'll talk again next week. This is the Ready for the Draft podcast. I hope you're ready. This is Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. And I am out of here.